We just wrapped up with Ethan Bolali Ramos, who is a former track coach and also a former uh, shot putter or throws athlete. I'm not sure how you how you're supposed to say that, but he did the shot put. And uh, you might also remember him as BST Faction. If you follow us on Instagram, you've seen his workouts. Uh, we've used a couple of his workouts on our Friday Cridays, and he was also. Uh, on the podcast with Roseville meal prep. He was, uh, he sat in with us and um, joined the recap portion of that as well. Um, just an awesome guy, young, he's, he's a young guy um, and just doing a lot of great things. Um, had a lot of great things to say about motivation. He shared his story about um, being an athlete in high school and a little bit at college. And then there's an injury that he dealt with that derailed his athletic career, but then he really has a positive outlook on that and how it changed his whole, whole life for the better in a, in a crazy way. And we just talk a little bit more about, you know, things he's involved with now. So it's a really good episode. Uh, once again, Deb is not on this episode. Uh, and if you followed the show from the beginning, you may know that she's threatened to quit multiple times. Uh, but this is not that she's just ha- she's just out of town for a little bit and uh, was brave enough to leave the podcast in my hands only. So she's going to be surprised when she gets back and uh, hears all this trash I talked about her. But what can you do when you're not here? You have to deal with it. So anyways, uh, Ethan was a great guest and uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. See you. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto, and once again, uh, Deb has bailed on us. She's taking care of some family stuff, so um, that's okay, though, because we have another awesome guest that's going to be joining me tonight. Uh, he's a former track coach and also a former track athlete. It is Ethan Balali Ramos. What's up, man? What's going on, Josh? How you doing, my man? Good. Uh, did I get the name right? Yes, you did. Okay, Flawless. good. I, oh, nice. Flawless. I always ask because I, I always get a little bit nervous when there's a name I'm not sure how to pronounce. And even though two minutes ago you and I asked or I asked <laughs> you and we talked about how do you pronounce this, I still get a little bit nervous. So I'm glad it was a flawless execution. Oh, yeah. No, that was one of the best pronunciations. I've heard people butcher in all kinds of ways. It's right. See, crazy. Now, now I'm not sure if you're saying that because you're on my podcast or if, you're, if you really mean it. But I'll take it. I don't care. I'll take it either way. Um, so how's everything going, man? Everything with your I mean, just uh, life in general. Um, shoot. Well, it's it's been really good recently, especially um, especially with everything going on with COVID. Um, it was kind of like you know starting out with COVID. Everyone got impacted in one way or another, or in more than ways than one. And it for me, it got I was really hit. And but now you know grass is starting to look a lot greener. Starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. So everything's been looking really good right now. Cool. That's awesome. Um, if anybody doesn't remember, oh man, I'm, I'm blanking. What was your, your, uh, your handle? What did it used to be? Oh, um, BST faction, BST, BST thank faction. You. Yeah. I knew it was, I can't remember what it was. BST faction. You've actually been on the podcast one other time. You sat in on the podcast and then joined uh-huh. us the recap, uh, for, I believe it was the Roseville meal prep. 
Yeah, Rose Women of Pride. Yeah, so if, if anybody's new to the podcast or if you're familiar with the podcast and you just need a, a, a reminder or a refresher, uh, we put out some of Ethan's workouts on our Friday Fridays before. And like I said, you've heard him one time on the uh, on the recap for the Rose, Roseville meal prep. So you're no stranger to the podcast. But <laughs> no. This is his first time actually being the guest. So I'm excited, man. I'm glad you were able to do it. Oh, shoot, I'm excited as can be. We're having a good time. So uh, I just realized, and uh, if Deb listens to this, she's going to be very disappointed because I just realized I don't have warm-up questions for you. But I'm going uh, to do this off the top of my head. Um, I know nice. one question for sure because it's her signature question, but beyond that, uh, I'm about to go into my old bag of old bag of tricks. So uh, something I asked our, our guest last week, Victor Rodriguez, was if you and you're a pretty you're a pretty healthy guy. So I don't know how much junk food or unhealthy food you eat, but Oof. if there was if there was one food that you could make healthy. So for example, if you went to the doctor and they said, Hey, you know what? You need to you know you need to increase say broccoli in your diet. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, they're saying, Hey, you know what? It would be really good for your cholesterol if you implemented more chocolate chip cookies. What would be that one food for you that if you could make it a healthy food but keep the same taste, uh-huh. what would that food be? Oh, donuts. Uh, maple bar, buttermilk donuts. Oh, maple, maple buttermilk donuts. Oh, those have my heart. Nice. That was a, that was a quick answer too. <laughs> uh, see, wouldn't it be awesome if it's like, hey, you know, I'm trying to eat my, my fruits, my vegetables. Oh, yeah, and don't forget your donuts. That'd be good. That'd be cool. <laughs> I, I wish that was That'd be so awesome. But uh, unfortunately, it's not. Ooh. But so okay. Ma- what was it again? Maple, maple buttermilk donuts. And actually, there's a good. Uh, bakery, uh, a donut shop in Sacramento called Baker's Donuts that have the best. Oh. Okay, yeah, super good. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try that. That's a that's a good call. I like it. Um, okay, here's another one I used a, a while ago. Uh, if you had to fight a hundred, no, what was it hundred? duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck what would you rather do i feel like i would say a hundred duck-sized horses because i feel like i have an advantage but i feel like a a six seven foot tall duck would just shred me to pieces yeah i think that's not scary i think that was that's the guests who answered that question last time they said the same thing because that's a, that's a massive bird. Mm-hmm. And they're already mean as small as they are. So just imagine one few times that size. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want, you don't want to mess with, with that, that thing. Uh, no, I'm with you. I can't even see if, even if I saw a, a, a horse sized duck, uh, I wouldn't even consider fighting it, you know, and I'm pretty slow, but I would have to make a run for it. My, my chances <laughs> of uh, running from that thing are probably better than me fighting that thing. So, uh, that's a good <laughs> choice. Okay. Question number three. If you had to choose a life song, um, that a, a song that's currently out there that maybe describes where you're currently at in life, what mm-hmm. would that, or maybe it's a song that defines your entire life, what yeah. song would that be? Um, actually, um, this song was brought to me two days ago, two, two or three days ago. It's called Crew Love by Drake. Mm-hmm. And um, I've really never heard this song until recently, even though okay. it's one of the best albums Drake ever made. It's a good um, song. I think, and uh, but there's a a stanza in it that I really like. I can't. I don't remember it word for word, but it really embodies what I've been going through recently okay. with COVID and stuff. So I was like, I really like that song. So I think that would be like the song I pick. Yeah, nice. Love by Perfect. Drake. I love it. I like that song. Um, and if you haven't heard it, go check it out because it's uh, 
And if you, if uh, Ethan can remember the line later down the down the episode, or maybe he he uh, DMs it to me later, uh, I would love to know what what uh, verse you're talking about. I'll yeah, I'll try to look it up right after. Okay, sounds good. So, hey man, you survived. You survived the warm up question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now it's it's the easy part, man. So, uh, as you know, with everybody that comes on the show, our first question is always, "What is your athletic and coaching background?" And basically. You know, how did you get to where you are today? Um, so I have been relatively athletic. I was always involved in sports, but I was never like fit. Um, I did wrestling as a kid, soccer. You know, every kid does a little league, a year of little league soccer. Um, but up until it was seventh grade, and I actually um, my sixth grade year tried out for baseball, mm-hmm. and I didn't make the team. I got cut the first week, the first day. And so I was like, okay, well, took a year off, not doing any sports. And then seventh grade year, I was debated on whether or not to try out for baseball again. Um, and like the day before tryouts, I got offered, um, to try out for track and, you know, I was still a pretty chunky kid then and didn't, couldn't run to save my life, couldn't jump to save my life. But then I was given a shot put with no technique, no nothing out through even my coach that day. Wow. Um, I, and then that kind of like was what created the domino effect of my track career was just throwing that shot put one time and in the seventh grade. And then from then on, I did track from my seventh grade year to my sophomore year of college. And I also did football up until my freshman year of high school, but it was, but I've been a track athlete for eight years. So, yeah, it was, like, my heart and soul. Um, My high school seasons, I was a varsity thrower from my sophomore to my senior year. Um, Earned my letters. um, Top 10 in my county. Never made it to state, sadly. Um, And I threw for uh, a JUCO out in Fresno. Um, uh, And um, I threw for them for two years. Um, Was pretty great there. Had saw a lot of success and – a lot of potential growth for um, throwing for a four year, uh, but it's short lived because of a head injury, which we can talk about either now or a little bit later. Yeah, that, for sure. um, was what kind of put um, an end to my track career. Got it. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to, I have a question for you because I do want to go back yeah, to the injury and spend some time yeah, there, but before we do, yeah, definitely. so I, I know nothing about track uh, mm-hmm. and I know not, especially specifically, I don't, I know nothing about shot put. So what I just know when I, when I look at it, it seems like it's an awkward motion for someone who's never done it. So mm-hmm. what was the learning curve like for you when you first, it sounds like you just kind of went uh, out there. It's like, let me, let me try a shot put thing. And you did pretty well. Yeah. But how, how difficult was that to learn? Um, my f- middle school years, I was pretty much self-taught. I had a buddy of mine who was essentially like my brother, um, who be- essentially became my brother. Um, we were teammates for seven years together. And um, he's the one that taught me. His dad was a state range thrower a long time ago. So he would help me out a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I was self-taught. Didn't have much technique. I was just a big boy that can throw heavy stuff. And then when I got into high school, I actually was fortunate enough to get into uh, this throwing camp called, um, at the time it was called John Godina's Throwing Camp. Um, Correct. He was an Olympian. Also, there was a plethora of other Olympians there just training high school kids how to throw. And from then there on is when I, you know, perfected my technique at the time. 
and but shoot it took six years to get what I would consider good yeah and but most coaches would say at least 10 years of commitment and effort and stuff to really get it down but yeah it takes a while got it is it something is it like riding a bike now can you just go out and do it again oh yeah I haven't stepped in a ring in like two a year or so yeah and um I'm pretty sure I can hop back in and not throw like how I used to, but pretty darn close. Well, I was going to say, and like I said, I do want to go back to the injury, but you know, another yeah. thing I wanted to talk to you about was this, this fitness journey you've been on for a yeah. little while now, because, uh, um, you know, I think I, you know, I saw you, you know, you liked some of our pictures and stuff like that on Instagram a, a while ago when we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, like I was being honest, man, like the way you looked back then is much different than how you look now, which is incredible and awesome. And, and uh, much respect thank to you, you for that, you. that discipline. But my first question before I, cause I want to hear the story of how that came to be. But my first question mm-hmm. is how much different would throwing now be as far as strength versus, well, not even strength. I don't know. Like, is that, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Your body was different back then when you were throwing mm-hmm. and now it's completely different. Like would that affect you at all? Or is, is it so much technique that you could do the same thing? I, if I honestly hopped back into a ring and did what I used to do, because actually in college, my expertise was hammer. Oh. Um, uh, but just regardless of any of the events, I think I'd actually be a lot better. Uh, Is it stronger now? I'm not actually stronger than I used to be. I used to be, I forgot what my last numbers were, but it was, so I was 1325 for my last total numbers. Okay. And right now I am barely over the thousand club. Um, oh, okay. But I'm also 60 pounds lighter. So like pound for pound, I'm roughly the same, but, um, but more, f- I'm more fit. I can do a lot more and more flexible, yeah. which I think are more essential to being a thrower, you know, not just big brute strength, which yeah. I had to learn. Right. So if, if I honestly had to say, and you know, with like another uh, season of practice, I'd no doubt in my mind out throw what I used to throw. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think. I, I think I do want to go back to the injury before we talk about the whole yeah, yeah. fitness journey. I'm bouncing a little bit. So um, you and I had talked or you had mentioned off off air that mm-hmm. this injury that you dealt with when you were in college um, played a, a pretty pivotal role in your life. Um, yeah. So why don't you explain a little bit of, of what you meant by that? Um, so I was um shoot it was a big moment in my life because um so I, I misspoke I, I had a freshman year uh off season and I was going to school in Hawaii at the time my first year and then oh. I spent two years in Juco I'm sorry I misspoke there no it's all good uh, so my but so my first year I was going to school in Hawaii decided to move back and committed to my another two years of doing track so I you know gave up a lot um gave up an academic scholarship from Hawaii to move back to pursue throwing because there was so much potential in it for me to grow with it. And um, so one morning, um, I'm kind of vague on the times, because it was a brain injury, a head injury to my left temple. Um, I was around six-ish, I think. Um, We had early morning practices every day. And um, I was going out for warm-ups with me and everyone on my team. But there was a gentleman on the team who was, um, you know, just was – 
kind of like his not self-absorbed but he was more like focused on his goals and stuff not so much the teams and so he he was he got there early to get warmed up and stuff and try to like gloat about him being there early so you know we everyone else had to warm up together as a team and so he was starting up his warm-ups in the ring throwing his hammers and stuff and um he you know did one of his full sets and he sliced it which means that instead of if you're, for example, trying to throw this way, he sliced it left and sliced it in our direction towards all of us warming up. And all I heard was, like, heads up. And this is, like, 6, 31. The sun's barely rising sure. over the trees, so you can't really see much. And I, we just all ran. And I was running, and I just remember getting into a fetal position. Mm-hmm. And because um, you're always told when you're, like, in that kind of situation is to just break down. Cause if you run the wire, the wire itself is actually the um, part that can most likely kill you. Not the big 16 pound hammer, the wire can, cause it's known for like decapitating someone or just cutting off limbs. So I was like, wow. okay, well I'm gonna cut my chances, you know, and just cut, put, drop down to the fetal position and, you know, hope and pray for the best. Yeah. So I did that. And I, all I remember is, like and not even the hit itself, but the um, like little fireworks and stuff that you see in cartoons. That's all I remember. And then I just remember like walking, and it's like pretty fuzzy for a few minutes. And I just remember like w- walking, and I found out I had a um, stage three concussion, um, which I don't know what that means. Still, yeah. it's like really severe concussion. It sounds bad. Yeah. Um, it's it is bad um, yeah. from what I was told. Um, stage three concussion, no fractures to my skull though. I have um, so when I got into that fetal position, it smashed my hand and impacted my temple. So I have like small internal damage with my hand. Nothing too too severe though. Um, I can I'm fine now. Yeah. Um, and stage three concussion, memory loss, and um, it impacted a lot of like my. Uh, not so much my emotions, but my, um, I don't know how to explain it, but like my personality, if you will, hmm. from that side of my brain, I guess. Um, I'm not educated on fully on that stuff. But I had to take, um, I had three different specialists, one for my physical, like a, a sports doctor, um, a psychologist, and then um, my actual school training doc, school um, team, co- team doctor. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sorry team doctor and so they all one checked my hand one checked my the psychologist um i would see her every day every week to check on like my personality check to her and stuff because and then my specialist was just checking my head to see if i'm like okay and so from start to finish it was a nine month recovery process wow yeah um the last day and the only reason why it stopped is because my psychologist was actually an intern um and she was amazing. I wish I can still work with her. Uh, she was just amazing what she did and um, owe her actually a lot to how I was able to get out of my situation um, mentally and emotionally. Sure. And, um, but yeah, from nine month process. Yeah. Roughly. Wow. And nine, um, nine months. That was how, how often during the week? Uh, every- well, the sports doctor, my team doctor, I saw him every day. Okay. to check on my hand or ice or just as checkups. Um, my head specialist, I saw him once a week and then my psychologist once a week. So basically combined, it was every day. 
Yeah, essentially yeah, every during, day. during the week, every day for nine months. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. Do you still feel? Do you still feel the effects of it? Um, not so much anymore. You know, every once in a while, I have like like brain farts that like they're a lot more deeper than that. Like I actually forget something or like I have to, I have like little panic attacks because I'm like, I lose my like side of things of like yeah. what's going on in my life. Sure. So I'm like, okay. So like I have panic attack and I'm like, Hey, calm down and um, stuff like that, which actually happened right after the event. So it's like, you know, just prolonged with me, but for the most part, I would say I'm pretty much normal relatively. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I guess it, for for all of us, it depends on how you ask, right? Yeah. If you, if you, ask, if you ask the people close to us, they might have a, a different answer. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, my family would for sure. Um, so, did you um, did you have like a lot of headaches when all this was going down? And um, that's yeah, it was headaches. Um, actually, I couldn't lift because so when you're lifting, you know, there's a lot of more blood pressure flowing from to. Um, for blood to go into your muscles and stuff like that, which is like all the health and like muscle development stuff that I learned way after my head injury. Sure. But at the time though, literally my doctor said that if you lift or run excessively or do anything physical with like the intent of like working out, yeah, I could lead to seizures or possibly stroke. So they're wow. like, pull it off. And then that was about six months of doing that. And then the last three, I was able to like, you know, be a little more active and whatnot. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Wow. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, and I imagine that's got to affect your outlook on life, right? So moving forward, it's a bummer that you can't throw anymore, but at the mm -hmm. same time, it's, it's, it has to have some kind of effect positive or negative, you know, moving forward. So what kind of effect did it have just on your, as far as your outlook, as far as yeah. things that you wanted to achieve down the road? Um, it honestly, I think, that was one of the pivotal moments in my life that I, um, one of, I would say like three I've had in the last couple of years, um, that has led me to here. Um, at the time I thought I had lost everything. I was in a deep depression and I later realized that, um, you know, like things happen for a reason. And I, uh, um, excuse me. I learned that cause I had lost everything for me personally cause I couldn't compete anymore I gained a lot more weight. Um, I had to lose some weight, um, even though I was still a big boy. And I gained a lot of that weight back. Um, you know, I lost any possibility of competing in track. And, you know, like all these things that I kind of like let go of. But then I also um, learned like the value of um, team and like family. Because so what happened was right after my injury, the that accident uh, my head coach, my throws coach, not my head coach, my throws coach, he essentially um, wanted me to keep uh, what happened a secret. Um, mm. The reason why is because we weren't training at at school, at our facilities. We were training, we we're doing them um, just outside, but technically by um, CIF rules, not CIF, um, whatever it is for um, league rules for JUCOs. Yeah is um, we were technically allowed to practice, which, um, you know, many people practice and stuff. But And my coach was the one that was, like, pressuring me to come in. You know, anyone that didn't practice during the offseason like we did didn't make the team. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you you had to go. And, um, you know, I was 
uh, you know, I thought I was a part of this family of like people that were like busting their butts in the off season, doing all these things, yada, yada, yada. And then when it came down to that moment of, uh, you know, like, it's not right. No one should do that. Um, always abide by the rules and do that simply, you know, it's better for when situations like this happen, you aren't in the wrong. You're like, Hey, and it's also safety because literally I was a prime example of why you should always follow the rules, especially in situations like this. So I actually had to postpone my immediate recovery because if I had recovered and like went to my specialist and stuff like that same day or the next day, my recovery would have shortened by like a couple months, like two months tops. But the um, prolonged period of me not reaching out to someone is what made me extend my situation to where it was. Um, but back on the topic here though, is that I realized like the value of family and my team, um, because a lot of them actually scattered. No one was really there to like support me, um, because of what was going on. You know, everyone was focused on trying to get to college and my coach, my throws coach, he's an amazing coach. Um, he, you know, produces athletes, but not people. And I, and I value character more than anything. So, you know, I had to learn a lot from that. And, um, but the people that did support me through the injury, through the whole process and, you know, let through school are like what taught me how to also lead into being a good coach, being a good business person, and essentially just being a good human that if I didn't have that injury, most likely I wouldn't have been taught. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, got to find the best out of not so great situations. And I think that was one of the best things that could have happened to me in the worst situation. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's an awesome outlook, man. Um, yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of athletes that have, you know, similar stories, similar in the sense that, you know, whether it be an injury or some, you know, uh, external circumstance that yeah. affected their career. And, you know, I've always thought you have, I mean, you, you really have, at that point, you have one of two ways you go, you either go a positive direction or you go a more negative, possibly destructive direction. Um, and we've seen it both ways, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with athletes and some people can't handle it. And some people, uh, thankfully, there's a lot of people that take that and like you said, cr- take a, a negative situation and turn it into a positive. It's never fun. No matter how you cut it, it's never fun. Right. Um, but it's something that, you know, you have to you have to do if you're, if you're wanting to, to be successful in other areas of life. So, um, exactly. you know, appreciate you sharing that story, man. It's a lot of, yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot to it, a lot that went down for sure. Um, mm. but, uh, obviously you're doing well now, so I'm glad to, I'm glad to see that. Um, so, okay. So now going into your, you know, into your fitness journey, um, yeah. obviously, like you said, some of the, the, you know, some of the things that happened with the injury, you know, maybe, maybe delayed some of that stuff, but at what point did you decide, Hey, I want to get into just great shape. and I want to get healthy. Um, that, I, it actually started, um, in the last couple of months I was living in Hawaii with school. Um, I was at my heaviest, I was two two eighty seven, and, oh, really? um, okay. yeah, I was two eighty seven. And the reason why I vividly remember that is because I had my high school throws coach was 291. It was one of the last times he ever told me how heavy he was. Hmm. And um, he, I, I told myself, I never want to be as big as he is. So I was like, okay, most likely I think I actually gained more weight past him. But the last time I actually checked the scale was 287. That's what and, it counts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I lost a couple, I lost about like 20-ish pounds um, before I started my track career. 
And then I popped back up to 271. And I was like, okay, like, you know, just Ethan, just got to do something. And so in um, the top of 2019, February 2019, I just said, you know what, heck it. Um, I'm just going to change my life and just start losing weight. I was just out of shape, wasn't happy. And um, I was like, okay, let's do it. And from, so I lost 80 ish pounds in about like four months. And wow. um, I lost, I, yeah, it was a lot of weight. I would say really quick. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. um, so, like, for anyone that I would ever share, like, losing weight, don't do what I did. Fortunately, I had a good support system of, like, people that were also going through my situation of, like, losing weight and stuff. So I've been able to – I'm, like, 210 right now. And so I've been able to keep most, of the weight, most if not all, the weight off. Um, my lowest was 189. Okay. And that was just, like, really skinny. I wasn't just, like, you know, just – I was focused on a number and getting down to 100 pounds lost. Yeah. And I was like, you know, why worry about the number? I was really skinny, didn't really like it. Now – me at like 210 it's just a happy healthy weight i can you know squat 400 pounds like nobody's business and i can you know run a few miles not i'm just in that good healthy weight and right that's what i really wanted to be at was just healthy and also big i a big fear of mine was that i was gonna be skinny um yeah. i don't know why and it's just like you know everyone has their own form of like insecurities or like you know things that they view themselves as me and for me that was always skinny and so i said you know what i just want to be big fit and have muscle and everything else would just come into play. And so I did that and um, yeah, just was eating better, focused on kind of my macros, learned a lot. I tried every kind of diet from keto to vegan. Oh, I did vegan for a week. Can't do it. Anyone that can be vegan. I just can't. Um, I just can't. I've, uh, I've, I've never done vegan and I know I can't. So yeah, it's rough. Good for you, man. You tried it. I, I, I can't even try it. I'm like, nope, this is not for me. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And so I, you know, tried all these kinds of fad diets and then I just realized like I just need to eat what I like and, you know, just keep everything in a relative amount to keep me healthy. And so I was like, okay. And yeah, lost 80 ish pounds. Got to 189. That was the day of the day of Thanksgiving. I actually fasted for two days before just to oh. get as low as I can before Thanksgiving and then just yeah. have fun. Yeah. And so that's what it was. <laughs> exactly. And then I gained like 10 pounds just from eating turkey all that day. That was crazy. Happened. You weren't alone that day. There's a lot of people like gained about 10 pounds <laughs> eating turkey. Um, so let me ask you this. So yeah. you, you said that you wouldn't suggest people do what you did. Uh, if you don't mind me asking what, what was it about what you did that was not, I guess the, the best way to do it. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I was focused on a number and like an endpoint of like, you know, I'm at this weight and I want to get to this point of this weight. And instead of um, learning how to, you know, maintain this weight, because so many people, so many people, even myself included, I, you know, was at 260 competition weight and I got up to 271. Like I gained weight really quick after my injury. So, you know, like I've, I had to learn directly that like, if you lose a weight, a lot of weight really relatively quickly, most likely you'll gain half, if not most of that weight back. So I said, you know what, I'm going to 
after me losing all that weight, I was like, okay, hey, you know, no more. I'm going to learn how to, you know, re- maintain this healthy lifestyle, stay healthy. You know, if I gain a couple pounds, I know how to lose it. If I lose too many pounds, I know how to gain it back. And actually, like, learn the processes of how to, you know, stay healthy, live a healthy life, and then also share that information with other people. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, I feel like sometimes you, you'll hear people that are trying to lose weight and trying to do it quickly. They, you hear people a lot of times say, like, hey, you can't starve yourself, right? If, mm-hmm. you start, if you starve yourself, it's going to just put you in a, in a negative spot. You know what I mean? It, it's, you may see, you may see the, the scale go down a little bit, but um, in the long run, it's not a healthy way of doing it. Did you ever find yourself doing that type of thing where you're just, you know, wanting to get down to that number, as you said, so badly that it's like, I'm just not going to eat for a period of time. Uh, yeah, I did. I remember a few times I was just so worried about, you know, a number or like, I, it wasn't even actually a number. It was more like the image I saw, my, saw myself in the mirror with hmm. and saw myself in the mirror. That's the answer, that right? Um, and, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm not happy today. I'm just not going to eat today. And then, you know, the next day I would eat twice as much because I was starving from the day before. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm just, you know, just trying to, I'm going backwards. And so, right. you know, I had to learn, I had to learn things like that. And so, you know, I think so many people, especially when it comes to like losing weight or just essentially just being healthy is everybody's different. Every person is different. Everyone's mindset is totally different. So find your baseline of um, your eating habits and um, what's your end goal you want to attain in the long run, not just the short term, but the whole long term of it all. And from there is when you should learn the values of, you know, how much food I should eat, what kinds of foods, what foods trigger you, what foods don't trigger you, things like that. Got it. Um, let me ask you this. We'll switch, switch directions a little bit. Um, is there a coach or maybe a teacher or maybe just a person that has had a major impact on your life and the way that you coach and the way that you, you know, live your life? Um, shoot. Yes. Um, I would say there's two, um, for two different reasons. Uh, but maybe like the same premise of, um, pre and post injury. There you go. So pre-injury, I had a coach, and my high school coach, um, RJ, um, Coach Johnson, I love that man to pieces. I owe him so much. Um, Not so much for the uh, coaching aspect of, like, being an athlete, um, because, you know, I had other coaches that taught me how to throw and stuff, but he taught me um, values of, like, being a good human being, and he always challenged my thought process. And uh, not many coaches truly – talk to their athletes about like their mindset and who they are as people, because I think there's a strong parallel between, you know, the person you are and the athlete you are. And he really stressed out with me and also like my other teammates of just being like a good, good person. And uh, like, I owe him a lot because you know, sometimes I would, you know, make a decision or do stuff and I'd be like, you know, what would he say? Or, you know, what would he do? Apparently sometimes I went against that, <laughs> but um, I always had him in the back of my mind. And then um, my head coach, who's actually um, 
a USATF, um, a USA track and field um, president for the Central Valley District, uh, Lionel Glover, Coach Glover. Um, I owe him a lot for the same principles of he taught me uh, a lot of the patience and skills I have of actually being a coach mm-hmm. um, and truly like uh, implicating like the values I had as being an athlete onto other athletes and like how to show them how to like um, talk to them, communicate and show like, Hey, if in order for you to truly excel at throwing it, you have to truly excel at being a good person because you know, if you are having struggles at home or in school or in just your life in period, in general that, you know, they're going to impact you as an athlete and throwing because if you can't handle, you know, the stressors of school, you for sure can't handle the physical and even the mental stressors of throwing because a lot of it's a lot of mental throwing because, you know, you're repeating the same thing over and over and over again. And, you know, you might do, um, there's a technique called wheels and you might do one wheel really good. And then the next one, five will be horrible. And you're like, what the heck's going on? And it's just like those small tweaks and you have to be patient and understanding that, okay, it's not going to happen overnight and be great every single rep. But the goal is to be great or um, your best every single rep. So, um, so yeah, I think those two gentlemen are like the biggest um, people that taught me how to, one, be a great athlete in person and also how to be a good person and a coach. Yeah, that's super important, especially obviously that's why we do what we do with this podcast is we understand and recognize and put a, a ton of value on the idea that coaches, coaches, teachers, who, you know, whoever, anybody who's in that, in that world of working with young people, that their impact is tremendous. And if they do it right, if they do it well, then those same things, those principles that your coaches taught you at a young age you're going to remember those things down the line, you know, as you're, as you're building your business, as you're, um, as you might be dealing with challenges, as you might be, you know, trying to learn something new, whatever it might be, those same things have stuck with you. And that's a testament to what your coaches said and how they said it and how they lived because, you know, it's, and and, 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 you know, it's from different experiences playing sports. A, A coach has the ability to either make or break, an athlete's love for the game and sometimes how they live their life. And the, if you have a negative experience with a coach for some athletes, that's devastating and they can't bounce back from that. Uh, it just, it, it shapes how they see the, the game. It shapes how they, they see sports sometimes. But if you have a, if you have a great coach, it's like, like you said, it's weird. It's very rarely about the game. You know what I'm saying? It's very rarely. It's like, oh, I love that coach because of the strategy they used or this one call that they made or it's always about, yeah, I love that coach because of the way they invested into my life and the mm-hmm. way that they made me a better person and the, and the effects that I'm seeing now is all due to that coach. And so yeah. man, I, I love hearing when you have, especially if you, man, you were lucky enough to have two coaches like that. That's pretty incredible. Um, it was, it was, I was very blessed to have that. Um, yeah. especially, um, in the coaching aspect of coach Glover, who taught me how to be a better coach. Right. Um, I actually, I want to share a really cool story about yeah, like do. those principles because um, it reminded me of an athlete who was actually my longest athlete I ever had. Um, her name was Riley. She was a javelin, um, javelin with me, but she was actually a heptathlete. So she did seven events, but I only taught her in the throws events. Okay. Um, 
javelin at this uh, specific story. Um, she was, it was nationals. Um, we were training like days on end, busting our butts, you know, not just physically, but mentally, because I want her to have like the confidence of a machine. I just want her to come in there, dominate, but also be respectful as like a top-notch athlete. And so we came in there, we were ready, we were ready to go. And then um, something didn't click that day. And, you know, we all have that, if, um, you know, if you're listening to an athlete, like, you know, you have those like days of like coming in confident, but then something tweaks, you know, could have been like the breeze going in the wrong direction and it just ruins your whole mindset. And she had that. And it was funny because I was, I was personally a little bit heartbroken for her because we were, she was, we were on it. We were, this was just everything, giving everything for this. And, you know, it just didn't happen. We didn't, the end goal didn't happen the way we wanted it to. And so it was just like, you know what? Um, she was really bummed out. She was kind of, she was, she's a teenager. And so she was, you know, doing her little teenager tantrum. And it was funny. I was like, I told her parents, I was like, Hey, let me talk to her. Um, for some reason she listens to me a lot and she values a lot of my opinion. And so I was like, let me talk to her. And it was funny because I had this moment of, like, I can either go one of two things. One, be like the aggressive coach I am. Like, Hey, knock it off. Like this happens, but you had another event going on or come in with the more softer approach. And she's a very, you know, stubborn teenager, very hard headed. I was like, you know, I'm going to come in with a different approach. And I came in softer and I just said, Hey, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm disappointed in myself and all these things. And I looked up at her and I said, Hey, two things. One, don't be disappointed. A year ago, she couldn't even compete with any of these girls. She was barely even considered, I would consider to be a javelin thrower. Hmm. So then one year later, be at a national meet competing with girls from all over the country and ranking relatively really high for, especially for her frame and stature. She's just a little fighting machine. So I was like, take a lot of pride in that. Like you're a little small frame girl competing with girls twice your size and giving them a lot of run for their money. So take that with pride because guess what? You're only 13. You have so much so many years left for you to grow and develop. And she was like, okay. And then also leave here. You can cry. You can do whatever you got to do at this very moment. But, and I strongly said this, but, but once you leave, you're going to walk out and you're not going to give your mom and dad attitude. You're not going to give your coaches attitude. You're not going to give your athletes attitude. Because you know why? We all bust our bus the same way. And we're all proud of you, you know? guess what there's gonna be another meet there's gonna be another point to show you off what you're really made of so sit here we both had a little teary-eyed moment it was very it was a really cool coaching moment because I was also emotional about it because of what we had built to get to this moment and I just simply told her I'm proud of you I I'm so proud of this girl she's an absolute awesome athlete and um and also person and I said I'm proud of you you know, you kick butt and there's always next time. There's always next time. Yeah. So if anything, just let this fire keep in you until next year. And they will be terrified. Yeah. And <laughs> so that's what I told her. And you know what? She, you know, had a little, you know, sad moment, wiped off her eyes, said, we're good. She's like, we're good. Walked off, didn't cry, 
didn't complain, didn't give any attitude at all. And it was funny because her mom called me off later. She's like, B, because everyone calls from Coach B. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, like, what happened? What'd you do? And I was like, hey, <laughs> I just talked to her and told her everything's going to be okay. And there'll always be next time. And take pride in how how much you've accomplished and what you've already done is just a starting point for so much more growth. And she's like, oh, okay. And from then on, we were great. That whole rest of the meet, she did great. Um, she sadly had, she got elbowed and then had a little tumble. And her the rest of her national debut was come to an end. But even in that response, um, she, you know, had a little cry because she had, you know, some cuffs, um, cuts and bruises on her shins. But besides that, her spirit stayed strong. And I personally, I think that was the proudest moment I ever had as me a coach. And I had athletes win meets and all kinds of stuff. And I think that was the proudest moment I've ever been as a coach. What was that? It, That's awesome. Yeah, those are, the, those are the important moments for a coach too. It's easy to give advice. It's easy to say something positive when you win. But those moments when an athlete breaks down, when an athlete deals with an injury, when an athlete loses a game, walking them through that moment is crucial for life. Mm -hmm. Because as we all know, we're going to experience a lot more losses, a lot more negative things when we go throughout life, right? That's what's going to happen. And uh, so understanding that as an athlete that, hey, when you lose, it doesn't mean it's the end. Like you told her you got to look forward and, and build off of this and then be even better for the next time. And, and don't let this thing hold you down. Uh, so that's awesome, man. That sounds like a, an incredible moment for a coach. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to stick with you for the rest of your coaching life. And then also it's going to stick with her as she continues to compete and as she continues to grow into the person that she's going to be. So, uh, yeah. I love, I love hearing stories like that, man. Um, yeah, let me ask you this because we kind of changed directions a little bit. Uh, so you obviously, if anybody follows you on social media, um, you know, you started, you started your own business with Titan meals, um, which we can get into a little bit and you're involved in a bunch of other things and you seem to be someone who has a, an entrepreneurial mind, um, and someone who seems to be, um, who likes to try to motivate people, um, not just as a coach or of athletes, but just of people in general, um, who are some of the people that motivate you or who are some of your influences? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, people I'd say as like, you know, bigger, like quote unquote, like harder to outreach people. Um, yeah. Uh, I was like Andy Frisella. He's a man that came from the, you know, the West side of St. Louis um, and, you know, didn't come from much and he owns now uh, a supplement company who I, actually was a big impact on my weight loss that's worth um i think it's over half of a billion dollars you know coming from nothing to building something and his story and stuff is something amazing um him ed mylet he's a ed mylet's a gentleman that's almost worth a billion dollars he's a businessman i'm actually working with his firm right now and uh but he's also a big man of faith and a big man of character and, you know, it doesn't matter what you come from, who you are and stuff, as long as you follow the principles of being a good person, a hardworking person, and genuine, that you can truly thrive in anything in life. And I really I value those two gentlemen. Personally, like people that I talk to almost every day, um, EJ Cruz 
who's like a brother to me, even though he's like almost 15 years older than me. Um, he's like my brother. Uh, I look up to him a lot and, uh, he's a RN and also a business, um, a business partner of mine and just an overall just great friend. And, um, I would say Billy Anderson is also another gentleman, you know, there, um, he's, was an, actually an athlete who had an injury, a career Indian injury in basketball. So we actually, that's how we became friends was we shared that same issue. His was with his knee. Mine was with my head. And, um, from like then on, we just became friends. He's actually owns a meal prep company too. And, you know, I've, from my weight loss journey and post injury, I've really just began to reach out to people that are far reach and also people that I can call who are actually just texting me right before this podcast and have stress trying to create a network of people that are good and positive impacts, you know, so I don't go down a bad path that like what we talked about, either you go down a bad path or a good path after a bad situation, whether that's an injury or whatever. Um, you know, everyone always steers me or pushes me in the good direction. That's great. That's important, man. Especially keeping that, keeping that inner circle tight and making sure it has you know, a lot of positive people and people that are motivating you and pushing you and challenging you is a good thing for sure. My, my friend, Kevin Bracey, who's a, a good friend of the character combine. He's been on the show quite a bit. He's a motivational speaker. And he's mentioned that before to speakers that he works with. He's like, and just people in general, he's like, you got to find the person that is doing the thing that you want to do and get to mm-hmm. know them and get close with them and build that relationship with them. Because if you can do that and you can watch their journey from the passenger seat, um, mm-hmm. you'll learn everything you need to know about what it takes to make it in whatever field that you're going into. So um, that's good, man. I love, I love hearing that. It sounds like from what I've seen you do on social media, um, you know, you're just, you're a passionate guy for sure. And so it makes sense that you, um, you know, you stay, you stay motivated and you've kept, you've kept the weight off and you, you keep pushing to uh, reach higher goals because it's just, it just seems like that's kind of the person you are. Um, do, you. Are you, do you plan on, do you plan on coaching again? Um, I really want to. Um, I had, I, this is my first year of not coaching in three years. Um, it's been rough, uh, but I had to resign from coaching because I haven't been involved in so many business things and just things outside of coaching. And I feel though it's not fair to the athlete. Yeah. I can make it work. Um, you know, there's 24 hours a day. I can make, I can make the most of it, but I don't think that I'd be giving the athlete the most optimal coaching experience for them to grow. And so it's kind of like, you know, why invest all this time, money and energy into, you know, giving an athlete just like, a half but experience you know i'd rather them have and so all the athletes that were mine i actually um reached out to other coaches who i know personally and that i think are great and you know they're under they're under a great coaching staff now you know i just didn't like say oh sorry um and so that can give them there's one coach up where i was coaching my team at and he's a retired gentleman retired teacher great um, history with throwing and so I was like you know what he can give them the time that I can't give them right now yeah. so hopefully in the near future when um I don't think I'll be less busy but I can um you know have more freedom to schedule out my days better I want to start coaching again I miss it 
cool. It seems like, especially everything you've, you've said leading up to this point, it sounds like you, like I said, you have a passion for it and a passion for the student athletes. And I think that is, that is a tough decision to make walking away from it. But I also believe that as the coach and as a leader, you have to make that decision sometimes. Cause I think, like you said, you could, you could do it. You could definitely do it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in, in my personal opinion, and I'm not speaking to you specifically, I'm just speaking to uh, like us as people in general. I think sometimes when we get to that point and we, we ha- we say that phrase, like I can make it work. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's, it does become a pride thing. And yeah. you're like, no, I can, I can make sure it works. And, the the focus on your pride or your ego becomes the the main thing and then you kind of lose track of why you began coaching in the first place in the first place which was to help kids and mm-hmm. like you said if you're not giving them you know your very best then you're not really doing them a service at all you're doing them a disservice and unfortunately you know you could become the coach that gives that kid a negative experience that makes them not want to compete anymore <laughs> you know what i mean exactly so that's smart, you know, that's really smart of you, man, to, to make that choice. And as difficult as that choice is, you know, it's, it's the, it's the wise, you know, it's the wise choice in the end, I think. It, it, it was definitely not easy. I, I am actually still, still bummed about it. Sure. But um, it was, I, I did have to swallow my pride. I was like, I'm going to do this. I can make it happen. But it was just not right for the kids. And, you know, right. Well, I had to think about them for anything else. Yeah. Well, especially I, I imagine for you and I think especially people like yourself who are, do consider themselves entrepreneurs, like you're, mm-hmm. you're used to the constant hustle and the constant grind. So it, it's just another thing. It's like, you know what I'm saying? Like I can make yeah. this work. It's fine. And you're just used to that type of, that type of mindset and that type of lifestyle. Uh-huh. So it would be very easy for you to fall into that trap and think, let me just add this one more thing because I can do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, like you said, you can do it, but probably not going to be to the best of your ability. And, like, that's an exact um, mindset I had is, like, I have, I've been offered, like, two opportunities just this week alone of things, and I've actually implemented them into my daily schedule now. But I said the exact same thing, like, I can do it and stuff like that. But, you know, like, that affects, like, my direct pride and doesn't, in, um, directly impact someone else per se. Yeah. I, cause you know, like that's business and I can make a lot of that stuff differently, but with, sure. in case of being a coach, like whatever decision I make impacts the student and the athlete directly. You know, like right. there's no, you know, I had to think about them first and you yeah. know, if I, you know, you know, hurt myself, like it hurts, impacts me, but if I hurt them, like it impacts them. Right. And so as had to just say no. Yeah, for sure. How do you, just on a daily basis, uh, week to week, month to month, how do you balance, you know, all the stuff that you're trying to accomplish? Um, and obviously with, with anybody who's trying to do great things and who's trying to accomplish a certain level of success, there is that sacrifice that you have to be okay with. But, you know, at the end of the day, you still want to make sure you're healthy. You still want to make sure that you have the right, you know, positive mindset. So what kind of things do you do to make sure that you keep, you know, career family life all that stuff balanced um there's um another gentleman by the name of Ali Zamani who is one of my direct mentors and another person that's a business partner of mine he always stresses prioritizing like um how to prioritize your time 
and what's on the priority of today. So if I had a list of things that I prioritize, um, work and like business stuff is, I would say is like top, unless it's like a family emergency or health and something like that, then family that's on top. But if it's just like my daily life, work and stuff is like the biggest priority for me right now because I'm only 22, about to be 23 soon. So, you know, I'm yeah. relatively really young. So yeah. I, I, younger than me, like quite a so bit. So I'm pretty, so I'm uh, not so much. You're, you're young, like 27, right? Sure. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm young at heart, man. I'm young at heart. That's all that matters. That's right. And, and so like, I'm pretty young in the entrepreneur space, especially. Sure. So, you know, I want to grow this business and businesses I'm in strong and early so that, you know, by the time in my late twenties, early thirties, I can not so much relax, but I can, they're, they can run on their own without me. Sure. And, uh, so right now it's business and stuff as my big focus, family, and then like my health and fitness is just kind of like a part of my daily habits now. Cause I know, you know, when I'm eating too much or when I'm eating the wrong things and I, um, I also look at myself in the mirror, I think, and I'm like, okay, like, Hey, you know, you're getting a little chunky or like, Hey, like you look like you're slowing down. Are you all right? And like things like that. Hmm. Uh, but I would have to say like, um, for anyone in general is um, prioritize your day and prioritize the most important things or the hardest things up front. First, you know, just knock them out of the park at the start of your day. So the rest of your day, you can deescalate your day. So by the time it's, you know, nighttime or you want to actually spend like an hour with your family or your significant other, you can almost a hundred percent focus on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that's what, how I managed to stay sane and, um, I'm, I'm not organized. I'm, I wish I was more organized, Yeah. but, um, and I would say a lot most entrepreneurs or business owners and stuff aren't organized. They just, you know, they can take on chaos a little differently than someone else. Yeah. Um, so like for me, like that's like, I don't understand how to prioritize or, or not organize things, but I can handle chaos overlapping each other any time of day. Sure. And so it's just like, you know, prioritizing what chaos is more important than the other chaos kind of. And so that's how, how my days and essentially really my life has been the last couple of years is just, you know, prioritize what's important. Sure. Sure. Um, I know we talked a little bit off air, but you had started, you started Titan meals just a little while ago. Um, yeah. that's, that's actually why we invited you out to the Roseville meal prep mm-hmm. episode. Cause we thought it'd be a perfect situation. Uh, for you to learn some stuff, some things from some people that have been doing it for a little while. Um, so where does that, where does that, cause I know at one point you had mentioned it's kind of at a, a standstill right now. Um, where is it, where is it, um, where do you, where do you expect it to go in the future or do you have plans for it in the future? Yeah. So great question. Um, right now it's on hold, uh, with everything with COVID going on and everything of that nature. I, most of the people in my community, I live in Merced, California. So a lot of people, here have either lost jobs or just um either have been fired or just on unemployment for the time being sure so they're you know prioritizing other things before meal prep and um i was just getting into it so you know my limited i had limited income and i was losing money like weekly like crazy so i 
and decided to say, hey, why invest more money into like the possibility of gaining an income, you know, seeing like the greener grass, I hold on to this and pivot it into other directions so that when I gain enough capital and, and or decide to pursue this again, like I can go full speed, full steam ahead. Yeah. So I had to put that on hold, on hold and I just decided, okay, um, put this on hold. I got into finances. Um, I just reached out to a friend and, um, you know, got into this new world, um, actually been offered to finish up a startup company out in Sacramento, actually. And, um, there's so many other projects going on in my life. So I, uh, I'm actually shifting Titan meals into, um, looking at getting into like the nutritional, um, protein bar world because I'm also a really big avid outdoorsy guy. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going on a road trip tomorrow morning. I leave at three thirty in the morning and I'm doing a road trip to see as many, um, national parks as I can. Um, you know, Zion national park, um, Northern Utah, um, hopefully the Moab, Yellowstone, so many other places. Um, so I'm really big into like hiking and outdoors. So I've wanted to shift instead of going to meal prep. There's so much, too much overhead and too much, um, too much energy that needs to get involved in that. that not many people know about, you know, it's not just like cooking food and putting it in a container. There's so much more that gets involved in that. And I was like, my heart and soul is into that, but I love the outdoors and, you know, love health and fitness. So why not collaborate the two? And sure. so I'm trying to, I'm developing with a business partner of mine, um, protein bars that can associate with being outdoors that can withstand the daily hikes and stuff. And, you know, it doesn't melt and get all gross. You know, yeah. something that we've all been there before. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had, you know, protein bars and chocolate and bars that just have chocolate all inside. Ugh. It's yes. a mess. Yeah, no, no. And it's, you know, it still tastes good, but it doesn't look appetizing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's, a, that's exciting stuff for sure. And uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, where all that, where all that goes. Uh, yeah, no, it's exciting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so last question for you. Uh, this is kind of the big one, the main one that we put out there. Um, obviously, this is the Character Combine podcast. So our emphasis is character. Uh, how do you describe character? And then why is it so important? Dang. I love that question. Um, I would say I define character um, – Actually, a football coach told me this once, and um, I've held on to it and kind of interpreted it in my own sense. But what he told me was um, obedience is doing the right things when someone's watching. Character is doing the right thing when no one's watching. Hmm, I like that. And, and it's really resonated with me. I think he told me that when I was a freshman in high school, so eight, nine years ago now. Yeah. And um, he, I vividly remember that moment, and it's kind of stuck with me since. And I've interpreted that a little bit further, though, is that character isn't just something that you're, it's developed um, over time. Because my character, you know, four years ago, say, before my injuries and stuff, isn't the same as it is today. Um, It's, I'd say, it's something that evolves and grows as you grow as a person. You know, everyone grows as they get older. And um, through hard experiences and, and, you know, deciding which actions you want to take, you know, whether good or bad, like we, we had talked about, you know, 
with my injury, I could have went a totally different direction. And instead, I developed a character to be um, strong and hold my ground and be confident to know that, like, you know, something's coming uh, positive out of this and to learn the values of, like, family and humility and respect that I think are big, um, a big importance when it comes to character that you don't, you just don't like wake up and say, Oh, I have these values. You learn from life experiences and whatnot. Yeah. I, I think that's what I would say. I that was, that wasn't there two parts to that. Sorry. Um, is that, is that, it, well, it's why, why is it so important? Okay. And then, um, why is it so important? I feel like so many people in today's world don't value it. Um, don't utilize it. There you go. Um, we're in like the age of, you know, technology and, um, passive communication and talking to screens. And so if anything, it's kind of like a special gem for me personally. Um, you know, being 22, I'm involved in a younger demographic. And, you know, when I see someone that has like quote unquote old souls, I think of that as like people that show or like exemplify a um, character differently than someone um, else because, you know, they've like been through hard experiences. They've had to learn how to, you know, grow as a person, communicate those issues and like so many other things that, um, it's not, I, it's, it's like an art form. Like, you know, you, you, no one has it. Uh, not many people have it. And if you do have it, you, it's really special hmm. for good. me personally. At least. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Hey man, that's, that's what we want to know what it means to you personally. That's why we ask you the questions. People, people don't want to hear me talk. <laughs> so, well, hey, man, this has, been, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the podcast and chatting with us a little bit and sharing your story and, and the things that you overcame. Um, where, can they, where can they follow you on social media? Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. They're all in the same name. It's Ethan, E-T-H-A-N, Bilali, Bell. O-L-I, B-E-L-L-O-L-I, and then Ramos, R-A-M-O-S, um, all on Facebook, and, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok, but I've never used it. I, I wish I was that cool. I'm not. Oh, so that's, that's, what, that's what you and, I, you and I are different. I'm not on TikTok either, and I am okay with that. <laughs> I, I, I can't I, do it. I, I wish I was that cool, but yeah, I'm not. I bet, you, I bet you at some point you'll get on there and you'll figure it out for sure. You'll, you'll figure out how to use it and you'll, you'll, you'll put some good stuff out there. I have no doubt. <laughs> if, uh, if you see me on TikTok at any point, you know something went horribly wrong in my life and uh, I just broke. Basically, that's what happened. <laughs> I feel like I'm too old for it. But <laughs> anyways, man. So yeah, make sure you guys uh, definitely go uh, follow Ethan. Um, like I said, he's, he puts a lot of stuff out there, um, a lot of motivating, uh, motivating messages and uh, it's definitely worth a follow. And then you can follow his entire journey as far as the things that he's developing too. Uh, so we definitely recommend doing that. So uh, once again, man, we definitely appreciate you coming through. Oh, we got to drop our own handle. What am I doing? My own podcast. Yeah. So you can follow us at sports character on Twitter, character combine on Instagram, character combine on Facebook. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Don't bother. I don't post there. Uh, YouTube. Uh, we're on YouTube. We have clips from previous uh, uh, events, which I would definitely recommend checking out. A lot of great motivational speakers on there. Um, 
You will not find me on Snapchat. You will not find me on TikTok because I hate both. So that being said, follow us on the other places. Ethan, man, thank you so much. Uh, and enjoy your trip, man. Have a good time. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am so blessed to be here. And um, thank you. It's going to be so fun. And I will show you, send you some pictures. And to anyone that's listening and watching, thank you so much. Um, appreciate you all. And if you ever want to reach out and have any questions about injuries and you know going through rough times as an athlete or in life, reach out anytime. All right, man. Hey, stay healthy, stay safe. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.